We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. It is monthly mailbag time here inside the vault. As always, I'm Bobby Trossett, joined by my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison. It is Thursday, May 25th, getting ready for Memorial Day weekend, getting ready to flip the calendar to more OTAs and mandatory minicamp. And before, obviously, before we could probably even like think about it, training camp is going to be here in late July. We're still waiting on those dates to be finalized, but nonetheless, Welcome inside the vault partner. Good to be back with you on camera. We got some, a bunch of Q and a to get to today. Got a lot of Q and a to get to. Um, I like it. Cause this one, it's been a minute since we've done a Q and a where like 90% of the questions are not about Lamar. I think we've got one Lamar question. <laughs> so now that that the whole thing is in, in the past, the contract negotiation, I feel like we're getting back to football. For sure. You kind of mentioned it earlier this week on one of our vault episodes. Like it is sort of a turning point for Lamar, for the organization. You know, now that OTAs are here, Lamar has reported, you know, Munkin is entrenched in, you know, implementing and installing this new offense, this new scheme. Yeah, it, it is time to start to talk about what we made this podcast for in July of last year. And that is, you know, to cover the football aspect of the Ravens, but we had a, we certainly had an obligation to do what we did this off season, but we're, you know, we're, we're both very much, I know I'm very much interested because it was such an educational process for me uh, throughout this off season, you know, in, in terms of the, you know, the inner workings of the business side of the game, I'm excited to sink my teeth back into football. So with that, let's dive right into this month's Q and a mailbag. As a reminder, we do offer a, a tier level through Patreon as a way of supporting both us and what we're building here, both on YouTube and in the audio only space. So if you're interested in signing up for what we offer, you see it right there on the screen. It's a mailbag entry for $9.99 a month. You can essentially submit a 100 word limit submission for us to address in our monthly mailbag. So again, that kind of shifts you to the front of the line. We get to as many questions as we possibly can, but obviously we're going to incentivize the folks that, um, you know, at the front of the line who are supporting us through Patreon. So anybody is welcome, obviously, to participate in our monthly Q&A, but we sure do. Uh, we, we love our patrons and we got a plenty of them to get to. So 
Mark Pankhurst begins things. And he writes with so many weapons for Lamar in the Munkinators offense. That's a new, new term that I hadn't heard coined yet. Yeah, I do too. Which group is going to feel left out first? Oh yeah, this, this is great right here. Cause we know this is going to be relevant at some point with as many big personalities as every NFL team has wide receivers, tight ends, or running backs, it feels a bit like Oprah. You get a car, GIF <laughs> will be needed a lot in 2023. What do you think, partner? I think it's pronounced GIF. I've had this debate with people all the Maybe. time. I'm going with GIF. <laughs> it might be GIF, but I love having that debate. Well, I like that Mark is starting out with creating some drama already. We got to look for the, uh, <laughs> the drama in it all. Uh, you know, actually, Lamar was asked this yesterday at Podium. And he's correct when he says, well, if we're winning, everybody's going to be happy. And that's that's just true because, A, you look like a clown if you're complaining when you're winning. But, B, if you're winning, it's probably it's probably because you're scoring points, especially in this this yep. era. Maybe if we were back in 2000, winning doesn't mean that you're scared, you know, scoring points. But in this era, it does mean that. And if you're moving the ball, I mean, you go back to 2019, nobody was complaining, right? Nobody. Um, so now if they're not winning, I'm going to take the, um, the easy way out. I still don't know that JK Dobbins is over <laughs> the last year or two. Uh, I know, you know, he had to get over the injury, uh, in 2021 and in 2022, he obviously complained about, uh, not being in the rotation enough. I'm very curious how Todd Munkin's going to, going to go about this. Um, I want to know how much he's going to rotate. Like, it feels like Greg Roman rotated the, the running backs a lot. And when you have Gus Edwards, um, there's an argument to do that. So I'm very curious how much he's going to use JK Dobbins, but JK, because I still think he's not over what happened last year. Uh, I'm sure he's looking forward to a new coordinator also. I, I guess I'll take the easy way out and maybe say the running backs. If if they're not, if JK is not getting the ball, he showed last year, he will not hide his feelings on, on how he feels about that. hundred percent. Yeah. I think that makes complete sense. And it's, it's, it's not like a selfishness. It's because he thinks, and he's proven when he's on the field that good things happen. So like, it's a competitive fire from within. Obviously, sometimes he's got to hold his tongue. I mean, I think it created short, created a kind of a, a storm last year, as you mentioned, you know, uh, after that wild card round and, um, you know, whatnot. And certainly that kind of was the, we all knew that, that Greg Roman's time was, was on the clock after, after that outburst in Cincinnati. But yeah, from, from a running back standpoint, that's probably the safe answer from a tight ends in that category. Lamar and Mark Andrews aren't just going to lose their connection in a different offense. I can't imagine that whatsoever. Isaiah likely second year player. Does he have that kind of, you know, cachet to, 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 you know, bring up noise? No, probably not. Charlie Kohler's barely even played so far in his NFL career. We all know wide receivers, biggest personalities typically on a, on a, on a team, but you got a rookie in Zay. You got a guy who's coming back from a torn ACL and hasn't played in over a year in OBJ. You got a role player in, in Devin Duvernay. You got a vet in Nelson Aguilar. And who, am I, who else am I missing? Rashad Bateman. Did you mention him? 
how could I forget Rashad Bateman? Because that's the guy that could, that's the guy that I was going to go with, you know, like, did you hear, by the way, did you hear, by the way, that Lamar under his breath almost called him wide receiver one? Oh, I tweeted that. Oh yeah. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to see, we're going to see what news comes out today, but that may have to be a lead. Uh, And I put it in, in, I put it as a passing comment quickly. We had so much content to get to in this morning's morning vault. This morning is what day are we in? We're Thursday, right? Um, yeah. So I put it in this morning, but I kind of want to revisit that because I want, I don't know if Lamar is saying he is our wide receiver one or if he's saying um, he's a, he's capable of wide receiver one type of production. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So I want to revisit that definitely in the morning vault. There's definitely some wiggle room there, but yeah, that'd be, <laughs> that'd be interesting, right? Coming off, coming off the foot injury and, and we know that he's, they feel like, I mean, Hey, when you spend first round draft capital on a player that you, you clearly feel like he can be that guy just hasn't quite proven it yet. Mostly because of uh, availability or lack thereof. Thanks for the question, Mark. Jason Barrett's up next. 2020 was Gus the bus Edwards best year with the Ravens amassing 723 yards, six touchdowns on 144 carries with JK chopping at the bit and the obvious excitement around the outside. What can we expect from Baltimore's favorite bus themed running back? Personally, I'm hoping for a Jamal Williams type role. Well, I thought he showed last year, Sarah, coming back from his torn ACL in the year prior, that while he was limited in a sense, while he was certainly banged up at different points of the year, uh, that he still got it. I don't know what his future looks like in Baltimore after this year. Matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, there's not one run- running back on this roster that's under contract past this year. Um, but I still think Gus has it. I still look at Dobbins as, as the workhorse, as the number one. And I don't know if there's going to be a running back by committee philosophy under Todd Munkin, like there was with Greg Roman, but I still think so highly of Gus, the way that he moves after contact, his explosiveness and just how he's come back from really a debilitating injury with so many NFL miles uh, under his tires compared to a guy like JK or, or justice. I thought it was interesting that yesterday's OTA open to the media that he was kind of off to the side working. Um, he came back last year, right? He got some snaps. Is that correct? Am I misremembering how it how it ended? Um, and Ooh, but, but I do know, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I he played know. in nine games, started in four. Okay, so we started in four. Now, I know that he did go back and get a similar cleanup surgery the way JK did, um, but I thought that happened pretty close to the end of the season. And remember, JK came back with, I mean, he came back in the beginning of the season, didn't look like himself. He decided to have the cleanup surgery and then did look like himself towards the end of the season. So I don't know if they're just being cautious with JK. Um so, you know, maybe that's the case. No, I mean, obviously we don't want any injuries and in OTAs and training camp. We've been down that road before. So I am interested in where he's at. Hopefully we'll get um, him on podium or somebody will ask Harbaugh at some point. And, you know, you know, as much as JK wants the ball and I want the ball in JK's hands too, they're definitely, I mean, you can't just sit, Gus the bus. And so, um, 
what's funny is in the past, I've always seen him as like this, uh, you know, when you need, you know, a third and one, but JK can do that too. And so I don't know. I feel like if he's healthy, if Gus is healthy, I feel like they're just a great one, two punch. They're a great one, two punch, which, you know, if you ask any running back, they just want all, all the carries cause they can get into a rhythm. And that's what I said in the first topic. I'm very curious to see how Todd Munkin decides to rotate these two guys. Here's one stat for you to chew on here. The most career yards per carry among all running backs with 500 plus career carries in the Super Bowl era. The following four players. Hint, hint. Gus is on this list. Uh, Bo Jackson, 5.4. Jamal Charles, 5.4. Nick Chubb, 5.2. And Gus Edwards at 5.2. Again, that's the most career yards per carry among all running backs with 500 plus career carries in the Super Bowl era. So the guy knows how to get yards. And that's a pretty impressive list to be on. Let's keep moving. Teme, our guy Teme, returning patron for us. Thanks for the support. Hey, guys, love listening to you guys. Glad the Lamar saga is over. I'd like to get your opinion on Calais Campbell signing with the Falcons. We all know the reason he was let go was because of the salary cap due to Lamar's tag. But were you guys surprised that he didn't wait to see if Lamar signed before he joined a team like maybe Marcus Peters is doing or possibly Rocky Sin decided to do? If Calais was still a free agent, I would assume he would be a priority to re-sign. That's the only thing that hurts is we lost a true leader during this whole contract negotiation. Also, if the Falcons are having a horrible season, can you see a possible trade during the season to bring back Calais before the deadline? Wishful thinking, but really want him back. What do you think, partner? So, yeah, I do feel like um, it's too bad that Calais was was lost during that. Um, I'm not surprised that he didn't wait to see. I think it's different. Um, Calais was cut. He was let go by the team. And, you know, from a player's perspective, it's like you could have found a way to make find money elsewhere, but you decided to cut me. And I also think that um, it was pretty clear that interest in Calais was high. Um, I don't know how high it is for Peters. We we've saw, we heard that he had a reported visit with the Raiders, um, but that was like months after free agency hit. So I think the markets are different. Um, Rocky Sin, I, I don't know if he was cut or if he just came to the end of um, – no, he definitely was not cut. That's why they waited until the compensatory pick formula didn't count against them. So he was just a regular free agent. So neither Marcus or Rocky Sin were cut by their teams. They weren't re-signed, um, true, but it's different to be cut. So um, I just think the market was strong for Clayus. And I don't know what Clayus was – told by the Ravens. I don't know if they're, if they said, Hey, um, maybe they went to him before they even cut him and said, Hey, can you do just a pay cut so he can keep you? And maybe he didn't want to do that. Maybe they cut him and said, Hey, we would bring you back, you know, at this price or whatever. And then, you know, he went elsewhere. So, um, I think, you know, it, it just, you know, sometimes there's, there's a pride factor. You get cut, um, you know, then you got to just move on with your life, you know? And, um, but it is unfortunate. It would have been nice to, to have him here. And as we know, the Ravens just signed, um, forgetting his first name. His last name is Blackson from Angela. Chicago Bears. Angela Blackson, thank you. 
a six foot four, 300, you know, big pound guy. And um, he played with Roquan there in Chicago. Um, Roquan had great things to say about him. He played under Anthony Weaver, who is now the defensive line coach here in Baltimore. Very well respected in the in the in the coaching ranks here in Baltimore. So Weaver knows him well. Roquan knows him well. Uh, he's an eight-year veteran. So not there's not going to be. It's not like Blackson's going to just totally replace Calais. I think the Ravens plan on using different pieces to to replace what he brought to the table. And uh, we'll see if if that moves works in the long run. But um, it was something that had to be done, and Calais needed wanted to move on. I'll just add this on to your point that you know the market was hot for Calais. He got a great contract from the Atlanta Falcons at 36 years old. Uh, he, he, you know, he, he's the fact that he got a, a one-year deal, fully guaranteed at seven million, at age 36 tells you that, yeah, he, he was coveted by Atlanta. And I don't know if the Ravens would have put up that kind of money. Well, especially not at the time of, of free agency without Lamar, you know, figured out moving forward. So, uh, I, I believe he, he described it or somebody has described it as a, a, you know, a deal that he couldn't refuse. I think he may have said something along those lines. So there's the monetary aspect of it as well, but yeah, I'm, we're, we're with you, Tammy. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a big loss. No question. Not just in terms of, what he provided on the field, but you know, his, his demeanor, his, his personality, his um, you, you rally around a guy like that because he's going to eventually be in Canton one day. And it's, it's certainly going to be well-deserved. All right. John Stremmel, Aloha, Bobby and Sarah. Do you think, um, who do you think should be cut from the roster? My answer, James Prochet. He has dropped too many clutch passes and hasn't shown he's a playmaker worth keeping despite being given ample opportunities. Who do you think should make the roster? Who's not an obvious starter like OBJ or Lamar? John's answer, Andy Isabella. I think Isabella hasn't made a splash yet because he was underutilized under Greg Roman, as were most wide receivers. But I think Todd Munkin can use him to his full potential. Mahalo. Did I even pronounce that right? From Hawaii. Appreciate the note, John. And before we dive into this, I wanted to just extend both of our condolences and prayer to James Prochet because I just saw earlier this morning that he is mourning the loss of his mother. So that was just put out on Twitter. He released a photo of the two of them and I'll give you the caption right now because it's, it was actually kind of tough to read, but Oh boy. He wrote, I found new purpose in this life. My love. I don't understand God's plan, but I promise this journey won't be done in vain. Rest easy, mama. I love you. And it's a nice photo of them from seemingly back in the day. So it feels a little weird to now talk about, you know, his roster status, given what he's going through with his family. Um, but uh, I just wanted to make sure that we, we, we acknowledge John, that this John morning. John didn't know that this, this question came in probably yes a week or two ago. So I don't want to make John seem like he was uh, being insensitive or something like that. This was, this was definitely sent to us long before this news. So uh, yeah, our man, well, poor James. He's young. 
James is young, yeah. you know, James yeah. is super, super young. And, and I'm just looking right now again, we're, you know, we're taping this on Thursday morning, the 25th. I'm just the outpouring of support that he's getting from his teammates. You know, Pat Ricard quote tweets him. We love you pro. Sorry for your loss. Prayers to you and the pro family. The Ravens account retweeted him and everybody's all in on this, um, in, including including Lacey DeCasa. She left him a nice little note in his mentions praying for you, James. I lost my dad when I was not much older than you. It's the hardest thing. Every day I try to do something I know will make him proud. She's with you. I promise you will see the signs lean on your team and the Ravens family. They got your back. So anyway, I just wanted to make sure we, we, we threw that in there because I know that I've been on James a little bit in terms of kind of what John's getting at. And again, this has, Absolutely nothing to do with which that has nothing to do with James as a person. I, I, I like James. I've had a chance to interview him earlier on in my career. And for his sake, I hope he does have a chance at making the 53 man roster, you know, competing this summer. I do think the odds could be stacked against him, Sarah, given the, the additions and the revamping that took place in that wide receiver room this off season. Um, and, and John is getting at something here. You know, he has had quite a few chances over his years with the Ravens. So I do think it could be tricky for him this summer. So let's, let's, Name them out. So there's OBJ, Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers, uh, Nelson Aguilar, Devin Duvernay. Those are your top five. Um, And sometimes the Ravens go with just five receivers. So if they keep a six, you're talking Prochet, Tylen Wallace, Andy Isabella that John's um, pointing out. I know that they signed some unrookie free agents. Somebody would really have to stand out to leapfrog all these other guys. You know, I think that could be who here's who I think that could be as a sixth. And maybe it's the local ties here. I got, I got my rose colored glasses on, or maybe it's even the hat right now, but Dante Demas jr. Out of college park, Maryland. He, he was one of their undrafted guys that everybody's super excited about. So uh, he would probably be my pick to sneak in there if they were to keep six, um, if that were the case, you know, Tylen Wallace and James Prochet are on the outside looking in. Right. And both of those guys, they have contributed in other ways outside of, well, I guess Prochet is not much of a, a special teamer, but Tylen Wallace is, and he's a valuable one. So if he's able to sneak in at the sixth, that wouldn't surprise me because of his importance to teams. That's exactly what it's going to come down to for sure. Um, or, I mean, the Ravens could, if, I don't, again, he's coming off a foot, a foot injury, something like, you know, if the Ravens were to try to get some value, maybe out of somebody else, if Zay Flowers can do punt returning and kickoff returning the way Devin Duvernay does. But again, he went to the Pro Bowl. So Zay's got to be, you know, pretty good. So, um, listen, a, a few of these guys that I just mentioned that will be fighting for that six spot, maybe even if they do get a six, some of these guys are going to make it to the practice squad. There's new rules on how the practice squad works. It For me, it's far too early to make a call on this. This is OTAs. We're not even in training camp. We will do a roster prediction show like we did last year. Um, so I would like to go through – to me, this question's a little bit premature, even though I understand where it's coming from. But to me, I, I'm not going to answer it until we get through at least some training camp where, you know, the pads come on and you can see how these guys – how these guys – go but um but just based off of the numbers alone it's going to be an uphill climb for both of these guys that that john has mentioned 
Fair enough. Before we get to our next patron Q&A submission, we've got to tell you about our new partnership that we've been probably banging the drums about over the last couple of weeks because we're super excited about it. That's right. Here we go. Oakley is is now sponsoring the vault, which obviously it speaks for itself as a brand. It's one of Lamar Jackson's most notable national brands. And uh, what do you think? How do, how do we look, partner? <laughs> know oakley made sunglasses like this um i thought they were all more like the more traditional sporty kinds the ones that you see lamar jackson in when he's he's on it how this is like the closest we're ever gonna be to lamar jackson by the way we're both sponsored by oakley so <laughs> that's like the best we can do but they did they sent us each two pairs and uh the other pair both my boys play baseball they were like literally fighting over the second pair and obviously the older brother won um but, you know, I'll make sure it gets divvied out equally. So um, and I was just telling you before we came on, I've never had sunglasses like this because it, we both have blue eyes. So we're very sensitive. I'm very sensitive in the sun. So I like to put on dark sunglasses, but then it becomes hard to see. There must be some lens technology. My husband was telling me about it. I got to educate myself for Oakley's case, but it's definitely protect. I'm looking, looking out my window right now. It's definitely protecting my eyes, but somehow like the colors are more vibrant. Like I'm looking out at the grass and trees in my front yard and they're like more vibrant than when I don't have them on. I don't know how they do it, but you're protected, but you also don't feel like you're like in this black tunnel, you know? So yeah. I'm actually yeah. quite, quite impressed with these. Happy customer. Apparently I got myself a, uh, a pair of the prism black polars. And to your point, I prefer these over sort of your like, you know, little league pitcher, serious, like training kind of sunglasses, which I also have a pair of, I know you do too. So it looks like I'll be sending over. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to be sending one of those to Columbus that the boys are no longer tearing (laughs) each other's faces off. And I'm going to rock these because guess what? You can do it when you, you can wear these when you work out because of how compact they are you can wear them on the boat you can wear them on the beach you can wear them walking around baltimore so i'm going to go with these but anyway we are now sponsored by oakley and we appreciate their partnership and believing in what we're building moving along next up in our q a submissions comes in from uh, george k this is a two slider here so i'll whip through it Uh, why hasn't there been analysis of the timing of lamar's extension on tuesday april 25th lamar posted the spongebob gif or gif and called edc after the celtics game and by thursday they had agreed to terms for something that had dragged on for years why did it all come together so quickly this offseason the ravens are installing a brand new offense and want their starting qb present People speculated that Lamar might threaten to miss OTAs and training camp to gain leverage in negotiations. So what changed? It seems pretty obvious, but I haven't heard anyone uh, talk about it. For a deal to come together before the draft, Lamar must have been concerned that the Ravens might draft his replacement. Slide two. The Ravens played their hand brilliantly by having Anthony Richardson, a.k.a. Cam Jackson, in for a pre-draft visit. They never wavered in their praise for Lamar, but hosting Richardson clearly sent a message, we love you, but we're not desperate. Imagine if the Ravens traded future draft capital to select a QB during the draft. Lamar might hold out, not sign his tender, while a rookie takes over the team. Lamar has personal 
experience watching a fan base move on from a once beloved QB because he and the Ravens put Joe Flacco in that position. Lamar would probably be franchised and traded the following offseason and he'd have to negotiate with other teams for the contract he wanted. If he wasn't getting the kind of offers he wanted from them now, why would next year be any different? This has... This has to be a consideration for Lamar, even if he didn't think this scenario was likely. Why risk your limited time in this sport when you have 260 million in your hand? Uh, thanks for the submission, George. The first thing that comes to mind, Sarah, I don't know if he's paying enough attention to the business side of things, because we all know when Jalen Hurts deal got done with the Philadelphia Eagles, it, it indirectly or directly, whatever you want to call it, jump started things in Baltimore. Yeah, well, first of all, George has thought about a lot about this. I thought that was really well written and well thought out. Um, and I don't want to totally um, say that this wasn't a factor. Um, I need to go back and look. I thought I remember, maybe it was speculation, but I thought it was report that somebody said that the draft had something to do with it. Um, I do remember uh, after the after he was signed, Eric DaCosta was asked about like whether they were considering drafting a quarterback and and Eric said something to the effect of, well, it definitely made quarterback less of a priority, you know, as if to say, you know, we were looking. So so I can't rule out that the draft may, may have had some sort of impact that was a deadline, right? Um, having said that, do I think it was the main factor? I don't. Uh, I agree with you that, I think it was a, a a myriad of reasons. I think he had gone out and talked to other teams. And he, you know, used the, the, the leverage that he had, which wasn't much. He did have some. And I'm not saying because Lamar, it's not that Lamar doesn't have leverage on the free agent market. When you're tagged, I don't care who you are. It's tough to have leverage as a player. Play, I mean, it's just a powerful, powerful tool that owners and front offices have. There's just not a lot that a player can do when he's tagged. Lamar used the, the leverage that he could have um, outside of, of holding out, just straight up holding out. Um, so, but I think he went ahead and, you know, talked to other teams. I, I think at the end of the day, he saw that Lam the Ravens showed the most love financially. I don't think that anybody showed him anywhere near as much love. And then I think that the what the straw that broke the camel's back is what you're saying, which is the Jalen Hurd deal. It was like, okay, this is the go going rate. This is what they got. Lamar said also, by the way, that it wasn't just numbers, it was language. And so I wonder if also the language he was talking about was having a no trade clause and a no tag clause. I think that sounded like that was very important to him. And so anyway, I think it was a myriad of reasons, but I think Jalen Hurts was probably the biggest one that it was like, okay, let's get a little bit better than this deal. This is the going rate. I'm going to take it. Nobody's showing me as much love as the Ravens, and maybe it's because of the tag had, had to do with it. But like, you know, that was enough. And and did the draft help, help in that? Perhaps. I just don't see that it's the main factor. Appreciate the submission, George. On to Joe Bonzel. When would you expect Justin Houston to sign a deal? I'd love to see him back in purple for another season. Thank you, Joe B. Well, we can't forget what EDC, you know, once said about last year signing. He was on the beach, meaning like 
it was straight up <laughs> right before camp, you know, like when you're on the beach and when we work in, <laughs> in pro sports, specifically in the NFL, that's like your time right before the, not the league year begins, but before the grind begins, you know, before training camp begins and then the season and preseason, all that stuff in between. So with that in mind, I wouldn't be surprised if he's yeah. Another midsummer signing pre-training camp, maybe even mid training camp, depending on how long this thing plays out, Sarah. Yeah. They've addressed the position a little bit. They're excited about what they have in David Ajabo, really his first full true NFL season, having lost the majority of last year to the aftermath of that, of that torn Achilles that he sustained in the uh, uh, March pro day for Michigan you're hoping for the best that, you know, he he's kind of contagious with his running mate and former high school buddy, Adafe Owe. So there is some youth there. Um, but I, for one, based on what he showed in the first half of last year, if he wants to come back on a similar team friendly one year vet kind of deal, and he wants to chase a Super Bowl, which I would imagine that's probably what his priority agenda item list right now at the top of the list, then uh, I feel like it'd be a great fit, especially based on familiarity. I like how you and Joe are, have like already decided that he's going to sign. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's going to happen. Just when is it going to happen? So uh, I still, I think, I still think it's a good chance that he comes back and I would agree that it'd be closer to training camp. Thanks for the question, Joe. Apparently I'm just like big Justin Houston guy these days. What's his, <laughs> what does Adafe call him? Yoda, right? Yoda, Yoda. <laughs> star, yeah. star Wars, Yoda. Lisa Mason. Hey guys, great job as always with the show and Sarah, great segment for the tribute for Chuck uh, at purple rain era on Twitter. And yeah, got to obviously uh, piggyback off of Lisa there. That was a, a great message that you gave everybody earlier this week. And, and I'm certainly happy to, to talk about Chuck a little bit here in a second as well. I would love to hear your thoughts on bringing uh bringing Josh Johnson back. Is this a move to bring some better competition for QB two, or is it just extra insurance or is it a nothing burger? Thanks for the question, Lisa. This was interesting because uh, Josh now has a record 14 teams under his belt over his uh, years in the NFL. So there's journeyman. And then there's also like longevity and consistency. And I think that he just has such a, a respect level across the league. John Harbaugh talked about that yesterday at podium. So I think this has a lot to do, Sarah, with the, the rule that came out earlier this week that for the first time beginning this fall, this is probably the San Francisco 49er rule, if you will. If you watched them in the playoffs last year, you can now carry three quarterbacks on the active game day roster. I have to be a part of the 53 men roster in order to make it happen. Um, and it's no there's no telling whether or not the Ravens will do that week in and week out, but perhaps at some point in the year down the stretch in the playoffs, it could be worth it based on the injury situation, based on just insurance like Lisa gets at and gosh, it, God forbid something were to happen like it did last year with Christian McCaffrey warming up on the sidelines for San Francisco as the emergency fifth, sixth string or whatever it was, then you can actually have a traditional quarterback ready to go in, in that kind of, um, you know, situation. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I don't think that he's competition for the number, number two quarterback. Um, I think that's Tyler Huntley's job. Um, but yeah, throughout the throughout OTAs and throughout training camp, you need more arms for sure. Uh, and I know they have um, the quarterback out of Delaware. That's all how I'm going to remember him because I, I can't. 
I can't remember. Nolan Henderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. It's he's number he's wearing number five. He's just just like the next Joe Flacco out of Delaware wearing number five there. So, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So you need a lot of arms during during this time. I also do agree with you, Bobby, in that if now that they're allowed to carry a number three quarterback on game day without it counting against the forty five, he'll obviously take up one of the fifty three. Um, but why not have a guy like sign him now rather than later when you're installing the new offense? Like, let's just get all these guys learning the offense from the get go. Yep. Yep. And then just to, just to kind of give one more shout out to, uh, to Chuck from, you know, Twitter Ravens, Twitter at purple rain era. If you wanted to, why don't you do that? Because you gave such a heartfelt message earlier this week. Well, if you want, there's, there's another, um, there's a story from somebody that I left for the end. I don't know if you grab that screen grab okay. for the end. Why don't Maybe we do we that then? Visit yeah. It. yeah, we'll visit it then. Yeah. Let's do that. Yep. Thanks for bringing that up, Lisa. And thanks for the question. Mm-hmm. Mark Martin, if you're EDC and you can only afford to sign one of Marcus Peters, Justin Houston, <laughs> or assuming he's cut Dalvin Cook, who are you signing and why? Whoa. Well, listen, we already know what Sarah's answer is going to be to this. Okay. We can just throw that out there. We don't even need to hear from you on this question because we know what your answer is. I think, I, think I know that. your answer. I don't think you do is that right? Answer. Uh, yeah. Wow. I okay. Maybe I, I know what you think. You know what my answer is, but go ahead. Who I love your it. Answer? I love it. I love it. You want to beef up the running back room, don't you? Maybe I put words in your yeah. mouth there. Um, who would I go if they can only afford to sign one of the following Marcus, Justin or Dalvin? Oh my goodness. Um, I'll go. Tell you what, that tweet that you read on this morning's vault from Jeff Zerebix mentions answering a question about Marcus really kind of um, re-solidified what I have already thought about Marcus's future in Baltimore. I, I think it's over um, because of a number of things that, that Jeff referenced in that tweet, you know, essentially acknowledging that he fell off a little last year and there was obviously some drama between he and Harbaugh and whatnot. I don't know if it's a headache, but they, you know, they still, they love him. I mean, they always will love him and he brought a lot to Baltimore. I just don't know. I, I think that time has, has, is, is no longer here. I, I think I'm going to go Dalvin cook. What about you? You're going Dalvin cook. I'll go Dalvin cook. Why? Explain yourself. <laughs> well, like I mentioned earlier on, I, all three of these running backs are not under contract past this year. And as much as you hope that that Gus Bus comes back, he's not getting any younger. And when I say comes back, he already came back last year, like we referenced earlier on. Um, mm-hmm. So perhaps some some future opportunities there to beef up the running back room a little bit. I don't know if he's going to be cut. I haven't really been paying attention to the Dalvin Cook situation, to be honest, but I know he'd make Baltimore a lot better. <laughs> You're just trying to poke the bear that is J.K. Dobbins, aren't you? You just want to poke the bear <laughs> and get him all right. Well, guess up. what? When he's poked, he's pretty dang good. So, yeah, heck yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, listen, I may be cheating, but I reject the premise of the question uh, because Ooh. I don't think that – I don't think that EDC can only afford either Justin or Marcus. Uh, neither one of them have teams, you know, knocking down the door uh, for big, big deals. Um, 
So I don't see this as an either or for Justin and, and Marcus, and I don't see Dalvin as an option at this point. So, um, so yeah, I think he could afford both. Now, having said that, Justin is clearly a fit, whereas there's a little bit of a question with Peters, not that it, it's more about Marcus, are you open to the idea? Let's say, let's say Marcus comes back and he's able to recover and return to more his normal form. I'm not talking about when he's in his prime, but not, sure. you know, not as dropped off as, as he was coming off of the ACL. So let's say he comes back and he's looking good and it's like, okay, then it's a no brainer. Let's put him in um, across. Let's put him in with Rocky Sin and, and Marlon Humphrey. Right. And so, but let's say he's not so much improved. Is he okay with being the number three or four? That's a question more for Marcus Peters than I think it is for the Ravens. Does Marcus want to play that role if it comes to that? So, um, and I, I honestly think the biggest, biggest thing in all of this, I actually don't even think that is as big of a deal, although it's certainly a question. I think the biggest factor of whether or not Marcus Peters returns is what the Ravens see in their younger guys. So they're going to want to get through OTAs at least. Marcus Peters, I'm sure, is not in a hurry to come and participate in anybody's OTAs, the Ravens or otherwise, same as Justin Houston. These are both veterans that can jump in. They know this defense. So it's not like Marcus Peters needs to sign before training camp anyway. So I think the biggest factor is the Ravens are going to be like, okay, what does Pepe Williams look like? What does... um Caillou Blue Kelly look like? What does probably the biggest one, um, Armour Davis, Jalen Armour Davis, what does he look like? That's more, I think, the biggest factor in all of this, even though the others are factors, but I think that trumps whether or not they're like, wait, does his does he fit? I, you know, he'll fit if they're if they're younger guys aren't ready to go yet. Yeah, no, I think it's a good point. And is he willing? Is he willing to take a lesser role, you know, given what they have right now? I don't know. That well, remains but, to be seen. Just to be even, clear, if, too. They well, they wouldn't even. Sorry to, to interrupt you. They if if they think their younger guys are ready, then he doesn't need to accept a lesser role because their guys are ready and the Ravens don't need to sign him. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. So that's why I'm saying, like, sure. you know, that's why I'm saying, like, if 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 they're not ready, then he wouldn't have to take a lesser role. And then yeah, right. therefore, right. They and if they are, him. they don't need him. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yep. And just to be clear on, on those earlier comments, like in terms of realistic, like what I think is most realistic, I think it's Justin Houston. I'm just saying Dalvin cook would make them better. I don't think it's realistic. (laughs) I think he would make them better. So anyway, appreciate the question, Mark. Apparently it's an exercise that, uh, that we were, I was certainly not ready for. James Wiley coming up next. Here we go. James Wiley's coming after me about some recent comments that I made on my personal channel. I think Bobby, Bobby, sometimes I wonder about you. (laughs) I heard you say that the Bengals have had our number. Well, if you remember half the defense was on injured reserve, I think he's talking about a couple of years ago. Last year, we held them under 20 points. If our offense would have been able to score, we would have beat them both times last year. If you watch that playoff game, Burrow had a big sigh of relief when their defense scored. Smiley emoji. So so we looked up a few statistics on this because I, I may have um, 
spoken out of turn on my YouTube channel, just went, you know, speaking off the cuff or whatever, because Lamar's six and two since coming into the league against the Bengals. So clearly he has had their number. What I meant, what I meant to say is that, well, clearly they beat him in the playoffs last year without Lamar. Yep. And obviously with a, a tough decision there at the goal line from, from Tyler Huntley, if that doesn't happen, the Ravens are moving on with their backup quarterback to the divisional round playoffs, which probably not a lot of folks would have expected. What I meant by that is Joe Burrow has been in the league two less years than Lamar has, and he's already been to the Super Bowl. So from a statistical category, from his resume standpoint, I, I got a little ahead of myself in the sense that I think he's the darling. He, he and Patrick Mahomes are sort of the darlings of the NFL. Lamar takes a backseat to them, right or wrong, from a national media standpoint. And so I just, in that sense, the Bengals have sort of been the, the trendy team. You know, Joe's the good looking guy. He's all over social media. You know, he's, 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 he's actually pretty easy to root for, to be honest with you. I, in, in my, and I don't have any, obviously, ties to the Ravens fan base or anything like that. I don't lose sleep over wins or losses, but I find him to be pretty. I know you think he has sort of a, a little bit of an arrogance to him, and I, I think I, I agree with you but I really respect the way that he handles his business, both, both on and off the field. So that's what I'll say to James. <laughs> I don't know what you originally said, cause that was on your channel. So uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. But, but on the comment that you just made right now, is he one of the darlings with, with Patrick Mahomes for sure? Um, Lamar was the darling in 2019 and Lamar could become the darling again. It's, it's, you just get forgotten you get forgotten if you um, aren't playing at the end of the season. I mean, it's just that. It's just that. So, but when Joe Burrow, you know, tore his ACL, what year was that? I think it was his rookie year, if I'm not mistaken. Was it his rookie year? Yeah. So, you know, um, you know, if you're not playing in the playoffs or in December, then people forget about you. But if Lamar can stay healthy, um, Woo, he's going to enter right back into that conversation. No doubt. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. And, and matter of fact, he's had most teams numbers. The guy's 45 and 16 as a starting quarterback. So you can go up and down his, his splits against certain teams. And for, for the most part, they're pretty much all winning records. So thanks for holding me accountable there, James. Last but certainly not least, and this is an anonymous one, Sarah, why don't you take this? Because uh, again, I think it was your message earlier this week, uh, sort of honoring Chuck from Ravens Twitter that I think a lot of people resonated with a lot of people, certainly myself included. Yeah. So I got this email on the morning that that episode went out and, um, I emailed back and, and asked this person if I could have permission to share this story. I was given that permission, but the person wanted to remain anonymous, but I wanted to make it clear that I did get permission to, uh, to read this. Because, uh, you know, I, I do think it's it's important. So this person writes, I, like many Ravens fans, was saddened to hear about the unfortunate passing of Chuck. Sarah, I have to commend you on your message this morning. It hit incredibly close to home and I couldn't help but tear up a bit myself. Only a few handful of, of people know this about me. But on January 17th, 2020, I was seconds away from committing suicide. As you mentioned, miracles do happen. My miracle was in the form of my dog, Arthur. He burst into my home office and refused to leave my side. He smothered me with love until my wife came home from her errands. 
I'm so fortunate that I didn't go through with that permanent act due to my temporary hell. Sadly, Arthur passed away a year and a half later, but he was and will always be my guardian angel. Miracles and special moments do happen. I'm so happy I'm here to enjoy the precious gift of life. I urge everyone who is struggling with mental health to realize hard times are not permanent, but suicide is. There is always light. You just have to keep going until it shows up. Thank you all for your hard work, and I especially loved your message outside of the football world. Have a lovely week ahead. Mm. So this person also sent a photograph, which I will not share here, uh, with uh, him and his dog. And it's just like, it is, it's, it's, you know, like I said that morning, um, I've just, I've seen it. I've seen miracles happen. I've seen the other side where, where. Uh, people have taken that, that permanent act and, and it's, it's a heartbreaker. It's just, it's, it's a heartbreaker for, for everyone involved. Your, your heart breaks for the person who, who was in pain. And, um, so I've seen both sides of it. It hits incredibly close to home. And, uh, so, you know, I just want to focus on, on, on the ones where it's just like, you know, you just, I just, you know, try to view everybody as having, infinite eternal value and and you know this life can be torturous it can be hell it can be dangerous it can be um catastrophic it can be full of tragedies and and i love it when i have the opportunity it's so inspiring to see people like this anonymous person um when people look that tragedy in the eye and say, you know what? You're not bigger than me. I'm bigger than you. And I don't know how I'm going to do it, but, but miracles happen. Miracles happen. I'm going to keep fighting until a miracle happens. And uh, just like this person, I've seen other people come from, you know, the depths of hell, the jaws of death and not just survive, but thrive. And it's incredibly inspiring. Just thinking about Arthur, Arthur, his dog, who who he now looks at, you know, his late, his late dog, he was, and will always be my guardian angel. Something, something told Arthur to act upon whatever he was feeling or sensing in that moment. Dogs, we do not deserve dogs. Unbelievable. (laughs) I'm like, I have, I literally have chills all over my body right now because I didn't read this before we, we went on to record. Mm. And, uh, as you know, you know, I hope to have a big family one day like you do. And I know they're your pride and joy, your four kids. I've had such a pleasure getting to know them through, through our show. But what I do have is a dog Tilly and she has become the light of my life. And so they, they know us, you know, like they really know us. I'm a believer of that. They can feel us, they know us and they, they care for us immensely. So I, I'm just so happy that, I mean, if there's any positive to take out of this, to bring it back around to, to Chuck, he's galvanized this Ravens online Twitter community. And you can tell by going to see his final tweet. It's has millions, millions of views. 
hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of responses from everybody, including Lamar Jackson. So I know we started out the week honoring him and acknowledging him through your beautiful message. And I think it's only right that we close the week out doing the same exact thing, because I imagine that he, that his family, his kids are hurting right now and they'll continue to hurt. But I hope that they at some point can find um, some solace and find a way to actually celebrate him because look at what he's left behind. I mean, that Twitter is, is Twitter is often a cesspool, right? I've actually really enjoyed my time away from it. Um, hopefully I'll get back to it soon. If, if Elon will ever let me back in, um, or if I'll even get my crap together and actually get myself reinstated, right. Sarah, but, <laughs> but, uh, I keep sending but, you stuff to do it. So yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> but just to finish that thought, you see the other side of it in moments like these, you know, yeah. and, uh, and we just, we just hope that, you know, sharing this message will continue to only, uh, galvanize, you know, things more and more and, and continue to kind of, um, shine a light on, on Chuck and, and the legacy that he leaves behind. So hey, that Bobby, was our final quick. submission. Yeah. Real quick. Um, I, I don't have it off the top of my mind, but maybe we can put it in the comment section on YouTube. I know that Cole Jackson, you know, has I think online connected with with Chuck's family. Uh, he he did leave behind two sons. His his sister has been online, and I believe his sister put out a GoFundMe for anybody that wants to you know support Chuck's family. Um, so maybe we can track it down and put it in the comments of of this episode but for those who are on audio that may be listening you know on apple podcast or wherever you get your podcasts um cole jackson has tweeted that out so if you want to look up cole also or come to our youtube page and check out the comments and and we'll try to get the link there what i'm going to do what i'm going to do is put it both in our youtube comment section like you said and also mm -hmm in the description of the audio only shows wherever you get your, wherever oh, yeah, you get yeah, it. Yeah. So okay. if you, if you want to donate a few bucks to, to Chuck's family, um, then you can do it that way. And again, it can be found both on YouTube and the audio only form. If you, um, if you feel so inclined. So with that, why don't we just finish with shouting out our patrons this month who are supporting both of us and what we're building here on the channel. So shout out bill justice, Shout out Toey Faree. You can, again, if you want to do the same thing, you, but by the way, you guys are OGs. Bill and, and Toey have been with us from the jump since we, uh, since we, we, st we released our Patreon account. So, you know, huge thanks to you guys. And if you're interested in doing the same, you can check out what we're offering by visiting patreon.com forward slash Ravens vault podcast. You see it there on the bottom hand of the screen. There should be a T at the end there, but you can check out the link in the description of this video or the description of this podcast. If you're interested in doing the same. So partner, before we, uh, before we jump, anything else that you want to, you want to um, close with? No, man, I'm just ready to enjoy the next couple months till the season starts. Let's just watch, you know, how this offense gets installed and uh, should just be a, a fun, less dramatic time crossing my fingers for that. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, I, we're really excited about a lot of the guests that we have coming up. I'm not going to tease too many of them just so that you don't. Uh, things always change and summer's a busy time, but uh, 
probably most excited about the verbal commitment that I got from Todd Munkin. So let's make sure that that that, that happens either before or after you, you're on vacation in the Cayman Islands, which is coming up. Like we said, we're going to have a busy summer. We're both going to take some time off. We're both going to be on the road a little bit, um, but we're still committed to year round daily content. So as always, what we could really use from you, I just noticed this the other day on the audio only side of things, we have not had a review left in quite some time. So if you would, wouldn't mind spending 30 seconds just writing up a little review uh, in terms of feedback for us, wherever you listen to our audio only shows, uh, that would be really helpful for us. And if you're listening on YouTube or maybe you're on the audio only side of things and you like YouTube as well, please consider subscribing, hitting that notification ring bell so you let it so that you know when we're releasing daily content, which is every single morning at 5 a.m. Eastern on top of uh, special episodes like this. So with that, we will next talk to you on Friday morning leading into Memorial Day weekend. Programming note, Sarah and I are going to be taking off just a wee little bit of time there on Memorial Day morning. So there will be some weekend content for you, but not on Monday morning. I'm going to be up in the Adirondacks. You're going to be doing family things. So we're both looking forward to somewhat of a long weekend. So with that, for Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trostet signing off from this monthly mailbag edition. Thanks so much for being with us inside the vault, and we'll talk to you soon.